0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I've mentioned before that I get those sales calls and junk phone calls in my office and on my cell phone all day long, every day. And um, they're very annoying. And quite often they're pitching stuff like, you know, I don't know, knee braces or extended warranties for your car. But I also get them for charities. And, and most of the charities that are doing that kind of work are BS. They're not real. They're, they're nonsense. They're scams. And I've had several where they call you and they say, hey, we're calling on behalf of, and they give you an organization that sounds kind of official, that sounds like it might have something to do with law enforcement. And quite often they start with a recorded phone call and they say, stay on the line or press one to speak to an operator. And the weird part is that I've actually gotten through to people before and they're scams. These are scams. And so several people sent me the story out of the New York Times about how 76 Fake charities all share the same mailbox. And the problem here is the IRS approved all of them. And so there are a lot of scam charities out there. There's a lot of charities out there that technically are charities and follow the law, but in my mind, they're not really that good of charities. But the weird part is how easy it is to set up a fake charity. So you set up a fake charity, you hire some robocalling company, The money rolls in, and you just split it with the robocalling company, and you spend the money, and you don't give any of it to charity. What are you stupid? So this story is frightening. David Farenthold and Troy Clausen, along with Julie Tate, wrote it, and one of the organizations was called the American Cancer Society of Michigan. It was a fake charity, and the problem, of course, is that number one, it was not affiliated with the American Cancer Society, and number two, it was not in Michigan. The group applied to the IRS to become a tax-exempt nonprofit in 2020, and it listed its address as a rented mailbox on Staten Island. Uh, It was not affiliated with the American Cancer Society, and the American Cancer Society actually had heard about them and complained about them to the IRS, but the IRS approved the group, and the group was operating, or the guy who ran the group was operating it. Soon after, the IRS also approved another operation run by the same man, the United Way of Ohio. It was not in Ohio. It was in Staten Island. Same P.O. Box. It was not affiliated with the United Way. Now, the man behind all of these is 63 years old. He's now accused by prosecutors in New York of operating a long-running charity fraud that has astounded regulators and watchdogs. And it raises concerns about how the IRS approves nonprofits. And the scary part here is not that these Schemes are so good and in depth and, and well thought out. It's that they're so bad and they get away with it. So the man got the IRS to approve 76 nonprofits despite glaring red flags of potential fraud. His operations stole the names of better known charities and claimed to be in states where they weren't because they were all based out of the same P.O. box on Staten Island. The IRS kept approving them, and in doing so, the agencies attracted scrutiny of its new fast-track system for approving charities. They came up with a fast-track system because they said, we need to approve charities faster. And they kind of let most of them get through. Nina Olson, who was the IRS's in-house national taxpayer advocate until 2019, said nobody's watching the store. She warned repeatedly about the decreased level of vetting. They're the gatekeeper to this whole universe of charitable subsidies. And if the IRS is not doing its job as a gatekeeper, then you've got a real problem. The agency declined to answer questions about this particular case, citing taxpayer privacy laws. The man's got the right to privacy. It also declined to make officials available for in-person interviews, but released a written statement saying their system continues to reduce taxpayer burden and increase cost effectiveness of IRS operations. So it's made the IRS more efficient and it costs the IRS less money. It means they're also not doing their job, but they're, they're, they're not doing their job more efficiently. Let's put it that way. So the man was indicted in Brooklyn in May on charges of grand larceny, identity theft, and conducting a scheme to defraud. Now, he's pleaded not guilty, but the Brooklyn district attorney said he stole about $150,000 in donations that flowed through 23 of his nonprofits. The man did not need to do much to promote the group's. The money came in through online giving platforms that let users choose among IRS approved charities. So apparently there's platforms out there that'll simply say, here are all of the IRS approved charities. Pick one and donate money to it. People go, oh, the American Cancer Society for the Children of Michigan. That sounds like a good one. And they send some money. and This guy gets the money. Now. Prosecutors said the man spent the money on mortgage payments, credit card bills, and liquor stores. And at liquor stores. (laughs) And the man spoke to the New York Times, where he said, I did very wrong. I know that. Said he wants to make restitution for what he had done. But he pointed out his charities were approved by the IRS. And he said, and this is the quote, If you file something with an agency and they approve it, do you think it's illegal? So he's saying, look, I was approved by the IRS. That makes me legal. The man was born in Trinidad, grew up in Brooklyn, and graduated from New York University in 1984 with a degree in finance. Uh, But he ran into trouble with uh, the SEC, I believe. Uh, But it involved some kind of um, uh, securities, and he was barred from the industry by the self-regulatory body, the National Association of Securities Dealers. So it wasn't the SEC. It was the National Association of Securities Dealers. In 1999, he pleaded guilty to federal charges of fraud and money laundering. Um, And he said that um, he focused on a new business after his release. In 2014, federal records show he asked the IRS to approve tax exemption for his new nonprofit, the American Cancer Society for Children, Inc. Now, it's not connected to the American Cancer Society. And the man said that, I got sidetracked. My son had passed away. It was not a stable mind at the time. It was not a stable mind at the time. He began running the operation at a time when the agency was already ill-prepared to detect signs of fraud in new applicants. The first problem, tax law does not prohibit nonprofits from impersonating better-known nonprofits by using sound-alike names. The second is there are no systematic checks for history of fraud. So, the IRS bureaucracy once offered a powerful weapon against potential fraudsters, because they used to examine the applications more carefully and reject the ones that were obviously fraud. They kind of stopped doing that. And meanwhile, Congress hasn't given the IRS authorization to issue rules to make sure charities are not run by crooks. The agency said that employees reviewing new applications have been trained to identify fraud. Problem is that if they're identifying it, they're not stopping it. This man got through between 2014 and 2018, the agency approved 17 of its applications for groups like the American Cancer Society for Children and so on. This, of course, caught the attention of the American Cancer Society. That group began contacting state attorneys general because it's often the states that have the power to shut these things down. So that worked in North Dakota, Washington, California. But, of course, trying to do that in every single state is going to take you forever. In 2018, the American Cancer Society decided it needed a national approach, and it wrote to the IRS, laying out the pattern it had identified in this man's filing. So, people have pointed out that if he's using the exact same mailing address, saying, I am the Cancer Society of like 19 different cities, how did that not raise red flags? American Cancer Society officials said they never heard back from the IRS. But then, in 2020, the agency approved four new groups that the man had come up with, the American Cancer Society of Michigan, the American Cancer Society of Detroit, American Cancer Society of Green Bay, and the American Cancer Society of Cleveland, all four going to the same Staten Island mailbox. So an expert said, sometimes you can get away with things, not because you were so smart, but because the people who were supposed to be watching you were not. And this all turned out that he was using what's called an EZ application. You know about the 1040 EZ tax forms? Well, they've got an easy application for your charity as well. Uh, And it removed 11 pages of questions they used to have and replaced that with three pages. And you simply have nine boxes to check and a small blank for groups to describe your mission. So then, just to show you how little policing of these applications there is, there's a section where you have to fill out what your charitable activity is going to be. The IRS approved one group whose mission statement was charitable activity. So when asked to describe their charitable activity, they said charitable activity. And the IRS said, "Yep, we'll go with that." Another group put in their charitable activity description as nonprofit. Nonprofit, and the IRS approved that that their mission statement was to be a nonprofit. And then finally they approved one where it said need to fill in. So somebody is filling in the form and wrote need to fill in as probably notes themselves and the IRS approved the form where the person said our mission statement is to need to fill in. So some would suggest that that might be a problem if the track is so fast that the IRS lets everything go zoom and buy. But worse, here's one guy with 76 fake charities, all approved by the IRS, all working out of the same mailbox on Staten Island. And worse, because of the approval, these get listed on websites of approved charities. You can donate money there. Charitable contribution. These are nonprofits, including the American Cancer Society for the Children of Detroit, or whatever it is. Totally made up. It's just some guy with a mailbox. So there you go. Richard and Hamza both sent that to me from the New York Times. 76 fake charities shared a mailbox. The IRS approved them all by David Ferenthold, Troy Clausen, and Julie Tate. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Just because you are offended doesn't mean that you're right.